0: Welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer, Gemma Diamond, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founders of Fresh, Lev Glasman and Alina Roitberg. This is one of the best founder stories I've heard in over five years of hosting this podcast. I don't want to give anything away, there's so much gold in here, particularly a story that Lev tells towards the start of our chat. It's a longer episode because I could have sat and listened to Lev and Alina talk for a full day. It was honestly a joy to just facilitate this conversation. Now we recorded this towards the end of last year and I really wanted to open season six with it because it was just such a beautiful reminder of why I started this in the first place. I knew Fresh was founded in the 90s. I use a lot of their products. I was aware that a majority stake was sold to LVMH at the turn of the century. But you can't ever truly get to the heart and soul of a brand without conversations like this. And I think it's that heart that ensures the brand still feels so current today. And that includes products that have remained largely unchanged since the brand's inception in Boston some 30-plus years ago. In this conversation, Lev and Alina share the great lengths they've gone to for beauty, what that historic LVMH acquisition meant for the brand, and the story behind Fresh's now iconic oval soaps. I know that it was in 1983 that you were first introduced to one another, but I like to start by going right back to the very beginning. What were your very earliest memories of beauty? Perhaps Elena we'll start with you. So
1: um, I was born in the Soviet Union in Ukraine, which obviously at the time was part of that. And the one thing that um was very much indicative of what you were surrounded outside the beautiful nature is a lot of very dismal things in terms of product so i literally remember that my mother only had two beauty products one of them being a solid mascara and the other thing being this beautiful white jar of cream that my grandmother had given her and i remember for a long time seeing that white opalescent glass jar on that counter because there wasn't really much i think it was not something that um you know you were so aware of because the beauty was so much about the character personality the laughter natural beauty definitely and you always wonder why the natural beauty comes is when you don't have a lot of artificial things to enhance it but there was not really much of a market so i think my always feeling was that there's something very very special about a very special ritual because you know that jar and putting a cream on every night um, washing your face every night know i think that was something that i still remember growing up and you know i was 16 when we left uh ukraine but up until then i remember that my mother would never let me go to sleep even if i was really tired without washing my face i think this is part of you know and they say you turn into your parents because i know when obviously i have two daughters and i think that and obviously they wore a lot more makeup than i did in their age and i remember really not letting them go to bed but making sure that they wash their face, except, of course, there was a product that they had to wash their face with. And that was the fresh surface cleanser. But I think, you know, a lot of times our memories are so much connected to, you know, our childhood or what we grow up and how we imagine it. Yeah. I
2: mean, I mean for me, for me, it's actually uh, it started. When I remember sort of I was six years old and and, and my entry to beauty was actually through fragrance and and mm-hmm. uh, I was born in St. Petersburg, uh, Russia. Uh, at the time, it was an iron curtain uh, where nothing would penetrate, it was not. the borders were not open. So everything in Russia was Russian made. and our Soviet. <laughs> Soviet union made factories. so they wanted to keep everything on the inside. so you imagine what North Korea, is right now that exactly where it was back then. And and uh, <clears throat> there are two fragrances available on the market. They both had the same name called Red Moscow, one for men, one for women. Mm-hmm. And they smell absolutely horrible. And and because uh, there were only those two fragrances circulated on the marketplace, everybody were wearing the fragrance. So, so everybody smelled ex- the same. And, and I always had a very sensitive nose. And for me, that fragrance always represented something very, very heavy, uh, and, 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 and it always lingers in, in, in the atmosphere. So if you go to family gathering, you'll have the same smell. If you In a metro, it's the same thing. On a bus, in a in, in the movie theater, it basically smells the same. Uh, my world changed when my mom took me to a black market. And black market at the time um, in Russia was absolutely, it's a pretty bad thing to do. You'll go to jail if you'll be caught buying it from smuggler and smuggler will go to jail in, as well. Uh, but she went to the black market and in this black market, as we when we got there and my mom finally got the bottle of fragrance was smuggled from Paris and I remember right here and there she opened the box she took the bottle out she put it on herself one is that I smelled something that I never smelled before second she completely transformed Um, she uh, she was I mean I'll I'll give more a little bit more slightly of, of a background because these markets will pop up and they'll disappear. So it, it's like, they're there for like an hour and they got so and they in different locations. And particularly women, they had sort of like a network that they always communicated about those things. I knew about it, but I never was present. in that. So it was in October. And I remember when my mom found out about it from her girlfriend who came over. And knock on our window because we're living on the gra- ground level and ask, ask us to, you know. She said, basically, in the code names, Antoine is here, he's here from Paris, and he says he loves you. They talked in codes. So, so basically, what it really meant, which I didn't know at the time, I knew it later, is that that particular smuggler who brings that particular fragrance from Paris, he's here, and that's where we're going. It's on the market right now. we got to run. So we both ran out of the house while I was still wearing pajamas with a coat on. My mom had rollers in her hair. And and whatever she was wearing under, she had her coat on. We're both running out of the house, going into a taxi. And and I remember when we finally got to that place, which took us probably half an hour to get there, uh, out in the outskirts of St. Petersburg. And when we finally got there, I immediately saw a mayhem going on there. It was crazy though, like cardboard boxes and something on the cardboard boxes were there, a lot of people running around. And we finally my mom said, I see where Antoine is and we go right into the box, into the direction, standing in line. My mom was standing there thinking, oh my God, what will happen if I'm not going to get the fragrance? Because this is all the savings we used to go for those things.
1: They may run out. may run
2: out because they have a limited amount so as we as we as she bought the fragrance and i sort of like went go back and forth i apologize about it because you know sometimes things in memory coming in 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 a certain way Uh, as as she again opened the box that's why and she paid 120 rubles for that which is equivalent to one month's uh salary and we paid 22 rubles for our little room uh as, as as our as a rent, as a monthly rent. So she made one month salary, almost six months worth of rent for a little bottle of fragrance. And it was so important for her. But here and there as a six years old and I was a pretty impressed kid, I understood that it was, um, there's some magic happened because I forgot about her rollers and I had how ridiculous it will look. She literally transformed and I transformed together with her. and it, and, and it's something that stayed with me forever. And, and that's what got me into beauty by one, being attached to the fragrance, understanding that it has such an impact on the person and, and and it's very transformative. So I started really imagining things and understanding that, oh my God, there's probably so many more fragrances out there. So I had such a um, deep interest in that. And that was my first entry into beauty, into a chemistry of things. And, Fragrance is a very big part of what I do, products as well, of course. But that was my first sort of like touched with beauty and 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 the rest was history. That was since I was six years old. Wow.
1: I shared the story with me originally. Mm-hmm. This is going back to, you know, uh, because a big part of it is, you know, when I met Lev, this was already, you know, he's 23 years Sorry. old. Well, we weren't really talking about it until I think five years, seven years later, but you know, it's like a 28, he lives here, he's been here, he's working things, part of citizen of the world. But to understand, like when you meet someone who literally immediately lives so much in the world of the fragrance that I remember we were just friends, he gave me a perfumes gift of this fragrance that completely and totally like, I just thought this is my fragrance. How does a person who doesn't know me that well, can actually completely get, give me a fragrance that's so much me and you know, this is an interesting thing, because People do give, well, this is back in the day. I mean, there wasn't as much, but people do give each other fragrance gifts, but they're never really about what it smells like. Usually it's a pretty bottle or it's a designer name or whatever. But I think truly in that day, there was kind of this understanding where I saw that he's really speaking like the language of scent in terms of a person's aura, like that emotional Mm -hmm. connection to the person from the beginning, because it's a very different vision. I think part of it is a very different vision. And part of it was the fact, I think that, you know in whatever those 23 24 years that had taken him from the first time that he experienced this to the part when you know when he shares his dream about what he actually dreams about is, you know opening a a beauty shop you know beauty store that will have all these things you know there's always this thing about having abundance because when you come from a point where there's no options and there's no choice and you see how Because the store shelves were empty in those days, like in Soviet Union, like in the stores, they were all government stores. There was no private store. So everything was pretty much empty. And if somebody got something, they wouldn't bring it to a store. They would go to these markets. And seeing like that transformation of how much that actually meant to a woman, I mean, to be able to see your mother completely transform, you know, whether she still had rollers in her hair, but all of a sudden it felt like she didn't. It was a complete and different movement of a person to become or be somebody they wanna be, right? I mean, that is the whole aspiring axis of what we all think about because what happens, you know, beauty makes us feel good, right? So this is the part where I think it's always been emotional from the beginning until all through 32 years, how everything has been about creating an emotional connection between the product and the person.
0: Right. I I mean, firstly, Thank you so much for sharing that order story. I've I've gone to some pretty extreme lengths for the love of beauty, but I think um, getting up in the middle of the night and going to the black market takes the cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know. We're, so,
1: we're so, I mean, I think the closest I would say maybe like that we've all experienced living in sort of the Western world probably would be, you know, in the early months of the pandemic when some essentials were not on the shelves. I mean, so when you would see people walking with big, giant, Rolls of toilet paper that reminded me of you know walking through Moscow streets and seeing people with because, necklaces yeah. of toilet paper because that wasn't something that no, you can't,
2: about. you couldn't get toilet paper. You used to use newspaper.
1: I mean, it's hard to come <laughs> from a place when you have everything to, yeah. to be true. I think there's something aspirational about when you yeah. don't, and so when your imagination enters this process of creation, I think yeah. that's essential. yeah,
2: uh, but, but again, and I'm reiterating one more time, I, I, I found that. As as a fragrance, a beauty followed up pretty much shortly thereafter because my mother was always, first of all, laughing at me. The refrigerator was always empty because most of the time it was on my face. The jams were on my face. The honeys were on my face. Wherever I could put in my face, I felt like I needed to put something on my face to do something with that because I felt like my body can take it if I eat it, maybe my skin can eat it in the same way. So and I like the whole ritual because there's something very transformative about it, there's something about when you're taking care of yourself, when you uh, sort of like have a moment with yourself, there's something very transformative. And it's actually also very democratic and, mm-hmm. and uh, because anybody, anybody have an access to that. And even if they don't have an access to, to the best creams in the world, they 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 have the access to the remedies to 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 history of, of 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 beauty to all of those things and people love it and I knew that I needed to be part of it.
0: So you clearly, it's obviously for both of you very much about that emotional connection to beauty. So I would love to hear about what got you there professionally. You met 1983, having both moved to the U.S. What? Had each of you been doing, working in or studying up until that point? Elena? if research serves me, you were studying fashion design?
1: Yeah. So my family, actually, I we came to the U.S. in 78. So mm-hmm. I went here and I went to Parsons because I actually wanted to be a fashion designer from the time I was like probably 11. <clears throat> Something that would have never happened had we stayed in the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So I pursued that and I, you know, I moved to New York and I was studying fashion design. So I think when we initially met through an old high school friend of mine back in Boston, I think we just met and that was it. So there was nothing really happened. I think I remember that he was a good dancer, but he felt like he came from a different world and you just literally just arrived. And he remembers that I wasn't very nice to him. So I think this is the part of how time goes, you know, you don't see things so, but it was, Seven years later that when we met again, I think we were probably closer to each other and where we were in our lives and we connected immediately as friends. I think the one thing that we have in common, which I think brought us back together is although we have similar backgrounds, I think we have never been attached to our backgrounds because I think we've always wanted to be part of the world we all live in. So I think that while we were holding on to our probably origin, we weren't Holding tight. We wanted to know more, to get to know more. We were interested in other cultures. So it's interesting that we also, even though we speak the same language, we were not dating people who were the same background. So I think when we met, you know, it was definitely something where we connected in the understanding of the world. So I think that was very quickly why we became really close friends very fast. And, um, You know, so I was at that point already, and obviously I've been, you know, I was already working in fashion. I was Mm a designer. I lived in New York for 10 years. So we met again when I actually moved back to Boston. And so it was like a fate, the same person actually brought us back together. And I think we became friends and very quickly when he shared this dream with me, it was kind of one of those things that sort of really was a beautiful dream. But then, you know, life and all surroundings at the time, they all sort of hit, you know, I moved to Boston because a job brought me to Boston, a design job. But then, you know, during this time we met, we got married and we were already sort of talking about this, um, you know, beauty store. And then, you know, I lost my job. So it was kind of a thing. Here I am, I'm in Boston, I'm not in New York, I'm not in fashion. But meanwhile, you know, this just gave us an opportunity to really push the button further and to kind of dare to do something. I think, you know, loves, was talking about um where he was at the time because at that point i think it's really important you know as to he was much more connected to sort of the beauty skincare world because i think he was obsessed with it so yeah um i remember even like
2: yeah i mean uh, for, for me uh one is that uh, you know i was a dental technician that was that's what i was doing yeah uh, i knew it was a very temporary it was something that I never developed any passion for or anything else, uh, because it was just me and my mother. We both immigrated from uh, from Russia to Israel. Um, I was wanted to help her financially, and and uh, so everything I've done, you know, finishing the high school and studying something that could could bring some um, you know some revenues into into the house and be and be helpful. Uh, being that definition, I was recommended to do that, and I, I got into it. I got into uh, 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 you know sort of like a, a special college of, of, of learning that, and but, but I really didn't like it, and I, and, and I knew it's temporary, temporary for me because my passion wasn't you and I knew that one day I will be part of this world. I was still living in Israel at the time, uh, and and when I came to the United States. And I stayed here, I realized that I probably can live my dream here. So that's exactly leading up to what Rosalina was saying is that seven years later, this is where the gates are open.
0: Okay, let's talk about this time then. So you reconnect seven or so years later, you're you know it's it's a, a lot can happen in seven years, you're at a different time in your life. You marry in nineteen ninety. Then the following year, you opened Nuts About Beauty in Boston. This is so interesting to me because this this is a risk. Neither of you had been working in beauty to suddenly say, okay, we're going to open a store together. What was it about the beauty industry that you both felt so drawn to?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, we felt that we can make a difference. We can feel a gap in the marketplace. We felt that what we believed in and what we envision um, could make a difference. And what I'm referring to is to really bring conversation about natural ingredients to the forefront. Uh, it, 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 back in 1990, at, at that period of time, there's not a lot of conversation about natural ingredients. The, the beauty was more traditional beauty with traditional brands that are out there. Uh, and and ingredients that you're not really familiar with there's a lot of chemistry and developments that were there but i but i realized you know every time i would go to a beauty counters with all the respect to this amazing uh beauty advisors and 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 what, what they were trying to sell i could never connect to the ingredients i could never understand what's in it mm. yes. i was not a chemist i'm i'm still sort of like not a chemist but i know so much about it today because i create products today Working with a lot of scientists and and, and uh, chemists, but uh, at the time I felt like I'm not connecting. I don't I don't I don't know what's in it. No matter how much they were explaining to me, I did not know where it is. But I knew what other ingredients that we are familiar with, what they potentially could be. I, I knew about the cornmeal, you know, the honey, you know, the avocado. The list is so long, you know, the strawberries. And all and knowing that they all have natural uh, nutrients in them. And I was thinking, how can we bring these natural nutrients into the product? So, 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 it, and it's something that is so familiar to your skin, It must be doing something that when you're creating that ritual, it, you, you, it, it becomes more emotional, right? It becoming something that reminds you of uh, when you were a little kid, when you, you know, what your, your mother used to do or, 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 or and at the time, the beauty was not as advanced as it today, but natural ingredients existed for centuries. The remedies existed for centuries. So so we felt that there is a there is a room for us and we were so passionate about it. And we wanted to stick to our guns in a way where we want to introduce only things that make vegetable base, uh, take out all the other ingredients out of the um, formulations, started sort of like in a much more cleaner way with just introducing natural ingredients to the market. And, and, you know, when you're very passionate about something, it you might be very passionate about it, but it might not be resonating with other people. But I think that what, what happened to us is that because we're so focused and we felt that we really want to tell the story in a big way. And so when we open our store, we brought in endless amount of vegetable-based soaps, for example. Uh, lotions and, and, and shower gels and, 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 and creams. They're all natural. They are all under one umbrella, like never seen before. And, 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 and it's really had an impact on people. It took a little time, but it had an impact. And, and we felt that we're pioneering something that really haven't been done yet in, 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 in that during that
1: time. So i think it was you know sort of a obviously a multi-branded environment but and the things that we brought at the time there wasn't really much product that was available in the state so it sort of naturally progressed to go into you know france and italy because there's a lot more sort of smaller herbal apothecary with type of brands and pulling certain things of course it all had a certain kind of packaging and you know we tried to modernize some things to make it feel like it sort of fits into the world that we we're all living in but i think that know we felt really convinced that this is sort of what we understand and what other people would understand who are like us because at the end of the day you know growing up was sort of like natural remedies are always part of our family histories i think every family has a certain and maybe some of them are like wives tales but some of them are true remedies i think like history of beauty is history of civilization i think this part of like the people had carried these secrets and those were in so many ways, ultimately the inspiration of where we want once we started actually creating our own product. But in the beginning, this was something where I think I personally was really compelled. And I think led also with this idea of creating a little world where people can come in and we could share these stories that we've learned or developed, you know? And that was the part of the sort of a personal connection because I think that, you know, it's like you connect with a certain level of hospitality knowledge welcoming thing and showing people something that we were so personally excited about but you know as after some time if i may move forward you know you realize that while there's these things but you know there's other ideas in the head or you want to push certain things further or you want to tell bigger stories that it's not out there and nobody's doing it and i think that you know because you have this everyday experience, I think that we were ourselves in the store every day, I think talking to people, I think that gave us a lot of courage also to really push forward to do our own thing.
2: Yeah, and it was very disruptive because we, we really, uh, it, it wasn't small. We really wanted to make a big impact. And 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 it wasn't just introducing few little products. We wanted to walk out there into the world with our idea and put it out in in, in 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 a big way uh we didn't have the money we' were so broke you know our first store I remember I re- uh, loaned or, I, I, you know I borrowed money from my mother five thousand dollars and I didn't borrowed money from her parents five thousand dollars so the first store we opened for ten thousand dollars including the inventory so so we we have we painted our own walls in the store and everything else but but there was a magic that happened because bring these products, not that they decorated the world, but they created the world that nobody really cared about the world. They really walked in there intoxicated about the smells and, and, and everything else. They had to take it in because they, they really had to relearn in so many different ways why natural ingredients could be really good for you. And, and, and what's the difference from, uh, you know, maybe the traditional products to what we're introducing. Uh, it just, Gave them a different experience.
0: Elena, you mentioned that, by my understanding, pretty early on in the piece is when you did start to create your own products to sell in the store, the Oval but Soaps. Yeah, so
1: the two years after we opened. So it yeah. was in uh, 1993.
0: Where did that idea come from?
2: Well, we had, uh, so we're looking for, we, we, we always knew we were going to make our own product. Okay. That was all, always. They say, well, that was the goal to begin with. We just could not afford doing that because, you know, creating your own product, it, you know, not a lot of manufacturers would want to collaborate with you and, uh, you know, giving you chemists to work with. Uh, and if they do, it's going to be very, very costly. Uh, and, and you didn't have the money. Mm. And I remember two years into, into our business, um, We finally found a small manufacturer in south of France, and they were willing to run a very small production of soaps. We had had an idea for four soaps. We wanted to create our own formula. I had an idea about fragrances, what what the soap should smell like, and and of course, always starts with the way they feel. The sensorial experience for us was always very very important. And
0: I found picture for you so yeah that was
2: right from the from the beginning of that wow I mean, this this what was the the wrapping of the soaps
0: amazing
2: what we we're doing with the stones i mean of course they look a little different now but it's exactly the same shape soap and, and everything else just the packaging on our mm. side changed a little bit but but um
1: but i think just before you said the part of the fact that it was a soap as lev mentioned earlier we had probably about 120 different vegetable based soaps in our store i mean this was probably the biggest category and I think watching how people buy soap because it's such a commodity, you know, because people come, they buy it and they come back. I think if you think about this is almost like a bread of personal products, you know, because you use it and you buy it again. So I think it was we saw that this was an item that is something that obviously like fits everybody. It's genderless. And it also has something to do with it. It's, you know. Everybody can buy it because you use it and you need it again. If you fall in love with this product, you will come back.
2: Yeah, and selling a vegetable-based soap during this time for five dollars was mm. was a big deal because it was not that easy. Because people used to buy soaps for ninety cents, you know, and 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 uh, they're not, not vegetable-based soaps. So they actually were very drying soaps, and and and, and uh, because you can't create a soap for 90, unfortunately, for ninety cents with high quality ingredients. And these soaps will literally would melt uh, so quickly uh, and, and great, dense, sort of like handmade soaps and, and particularly vegetable-based soaps. They last for a very long time, and, 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 but they're so much better. And that's what was happening step by step, where as we're transitioning people from whatever soaps they're using at the time to the ones that we we're showing them before we even brought ours they realized immediately the difference because they couldn't go back to the other ones they, they realized their body their skin response was very differently so in any case when we met the smaller uh, the company that was willing to run a very small production which was 50 kilograms per flavor which was very little because everybody else wanted us 500 kilograms a thousand kilograms there's no way we could afford it and they saw how passionate we were and they it was very infectious and they they read. And we went to France, we spent a few days there, and we create our first soap. I had an opportunity together with Arina to create our formulation, introducing all the vegetable oils into the soap that we shea were thinking butter. about, it, the shea butter, all of these ingredients that we felt would be so emollient. We wanted to found the mold of the soap that we wanted to have, which was very, like it's big size, but it's easy to hold in the hand. Felt so very sensual also, and uh, I had the opportunity for the first time to work with a perfumer to create my own fragrances. And I had an idea about the fragrances, and, and so I remember when um, the soap finally arrived. It was October, um, six months later. It's arrived at our doorsteps, and I remember I was sitting in the store uh, together with Alina and. Oh, well, some truck stopping by and uh, stops in front of the store, and I'm like, "You know, why is our soap arriving on, a, on, a, on a, such a huge truck?" Uh She said, "Well, you know, we we have 800 bars of soaps. and I'm like, "I couldn't even figure out for a second. Oh my God, it's 200 per flavor. Per flavor 200 bars of soap per flavor, so it's 800 soaps. It's the most soaps we ever had." Uh, so. Our most popular soap at time would sell maybe a dozen soaps a month, right? dozen of one of, of one, type, yeah. one type soap at the most a dozen right And I as they opened the gate of the of the truck, I looked at it and I said it's one and only time I said to Alina, we're either going to really break through and be very successful or we'll have soaps for the rest of our lives to use in our lives. <laughs> Will be very clean.
0: I was about to and say, that, the cleanest, most beautiful smelling people in all of Boston. Exactly,
2: <laughs> and we're going to be owing a lot of money to a lot of people. Yeah, and 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 we're going to be so broke, but at least we'll be clean.
1: Because you know we had to prepare for the production, so.
2: right? Yeah. So so we had to borrow more money to do that. So in any case, when we we brought the soap, we knew that we could not waste even the one minute. We brought the soap downstairs into the basement of the store, and we were there, sort of like starting to about how we're going to be packaging it. How do we going to bring that soap uh, to the consumers, to, to to our customers? How how do, how are they going to be experiencing it? And everything was very organic. The way how it all happened, you know, we had this craft paper uh, right there, like a roll of craft paper. We used to use a lot of craft paper to wrap gifts in. Uh, we had those little metal wire, uh, you know, uh, sort of like stainless steel wire, very very thin. I used to use it uh, to hold couple pipes together and this basement was falling apart and uh, and then we had some uh, you know
1: little necklaces little necklaces
2: uh, that came from different sort of like
1: you know when you have a small store in the neighborhood that's quiet, there's usually salesmen walking around trying to bring to sell you something. Mm-hmm. So then I remember this guy that came and tried to sell me necklaces made from semi-precious stones beads. So I was like, wasn't interested, but he said, you just keep them and see if you decide. So look, like, the things were hanging and they made from like, you know, a the quartz, you know, like some agate stuff, semi-precious, you know, it's not valuable to the extent of, but it is real material and there were beads, meaning that they had an opening. So when Lev tied the wire around the soap, you know, because like it was an oval soap. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to keep it closed, there was no label or anything. So it's like, well, you know, to close this ends of the wire, you put the stone bead and he wrapped the wire around the bead and there was like this finish. I mean, it was one of those things, you know, we wrote with the silver marker, you know, the name of the fragrance, whether it was a Visteria, Verbena, Cyclamen, and Linden. Those were, I think, the first four and then made in France. And we had this huge windowsill. So like that night with bloody hands, because obviously the wire was definitely roll on the fingertips we just laid all of these soaps in the window like we filled the whole window cell it's like kind of just with this abundance of so each fragrance had a different stone color so you could kind of distinguish that and um the next morning you know in this quiet store there was not a lot of traffic but remember this this guy walks in and I think Lev is at the counter we had this gift counter sort of where we had wrappings and things and this man, you we're know, watching, goes to the window, you know, and he sort of picks this thing, one thing, you know, picks another thing, and then, like, literally on his own, then he picks this, this, and he comes and he goes to the counter and he puts it in front of that.
2: And to me, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm an automatic pilot, so I'm, I'm always had to sell, so to tell people what is it made out of and all of those things because. Those things were pretty new to people. And, mm-hmm. and again, because of the price point and everything else. And and, and I, I'm an automatic pilot, I'm, I'm selling. I said, listen, I love the soaps. I got to run, just bring them to me. So it, it's the first time since we opened the store that, that something like this happened. And I was like, oh my God, and this is our soap. So since it's been towards the end of October, we're going into the holiday season by, probably the first week of December, we sold out of everything. Wow. Everything. It was a line at the register and everybody wanted those soaps. Everybody were piling them up. There'll be like six bars, 12 bars, 24 bars. It was like it became people coming from everywhere to buy them. And this is where we realized that what we do resonates with people. What we do is something that really talk to people Uh, you know they 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 love the fact that attention to detail to the packaging they love the smell of it of course and they love what it did they love um love how people responded to it when they brought it as a gift and and people that received it as a gift came back to the store buying that as a gift to somebody else so so that's how it was sort of like was caught on fire and 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 uh that was really our entry into the beauty and we knew that that's, that was the step that we wanted to take, and it was the right step. And now we need to continue taking it further.
1: And, you know, that was already at the time we moved from, it allowed us to move from South End to Newbury Street, which is a shopping area in uh-huh. Boston. So that, that also would really help to sort of take the next step. And that's already when we opened the shop under the mainframe.
0: Well, you say everyone wanted these soaps. Barney's wanted these soaps. They ordered, I think, something like ten thousand dollars worth of product, that exactly. then sold out for them in about three days. What three did days. that do for your business? What did that change for you?
2: Changed everything. It, it because what it, what what happened is that it immediately started putting us on the map. Uh, one is that the product started existing outside of our store in Boston. So uh, the the, the Barney's was one of the hottest stores in in the United States and in particularly in New York it was very very popular store and um, anything that Barney's would bring people knew that it always would, would be very special because they were very um, the way they curated their merchandising was 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 brilliant and it was always something always something very unique and different from anything else and uh, by bringing it, to the cosmetic floor, floor and then really putting it in in the, in the beginning to put it in the baskets and it sold out in 3 days it immediately told us that well it's not just boston it's like everybody other people love it and the new yorkers who are more jaded they love it and 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 uh it's immediately gave us an opportunity to not only of course start replenishing the orders and building it up. And because it was more, it got got more and more in demand and more and more in demand, it gave us the opportunity to start creating products that we could pair it with the soaps.
1: I mean, that was the part where, you know, the biggest sort of to think about, because that was sort of the launch of our wholesale. I mean, we wanted to grow our business, but we knew we couldn't really, we didn't have the finances to open other stores and different locations. You know, I mean, the banks weren't working with this industry. This wasn't the way, you know, the world is now where this is, you know, a covetable industry, and there's plenty of, you know, capital to invest. This were the days when, you know, we had no way to finance our business through bank or anything, so we had to come up with ideas. And, you know, this really kind of hit it because we realized that that's a way that we can really um, expand and grow our business. And we took a, um, we applied for like a covetable space in the New York International Gift Fair, and we were able to get it. And I remember that that was sort of like our first exhibition where, you know, people were lining up to write orders for literally for, for this, you know, because, and the fact is that it was happening to their shops, a lot of like lifestyle stores and whatever, so and people who went into Barney's who had stores, you know, they would call to find out where they can get it. So it became like sort of this thing where it happened in their stores as well, that the product sold out, people definitely wanted this. And we knew that, you know, within the next six months, We have to continue telling our story. We had to go from soap to, you know, other products.
2: So we so we created uh, our first sort of like body washes, our first body lotion, our first single notes fragrances and everything we're putting on the market. And at, at this point, we already had we opened close to 180 stores because when we were introduced to the market through the trade show, Which was very difficult to get to. It was in New York, Uh, and they chose us. We were chosen by its judges, chooses who gets into the show. Um, uh, We uh, immediately had the opportunity to open our distribution in 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 a very very quick way, not not even knowing how to run, what it means distribution is, you know. There's nothing we knew about. It. I mean, uh, you, you, the one thing is that it's always uh, the, the way how we're doing it. We're doing it literally like, as we're moving along, we're learning what it all
1: means.
2: You know, that that's, we we didn't know about anything about marketing, but we're marketing it without knowing. It.
1: Right, so yeah. here, I think I've, it's funny, I'm fortunately in this apartment. Oh, so wow. this is actually the first original formula product that went from the soap that we're coordinating to the scents and like the lotion and the splashes Wow, but it was a very specific obviously you know sensibility from design point of view yes. because it was just really clean minimal but simple and elegant and I think with the homes at the time like it was so different from everything because when people thought about natural they always thought of earthy and brown and crafty and we just mm. wanted to have something that very clean feels very Clean and sophisticated Fresh. and simple, but really chic. And that's definitely was part of what sort of hits, where so many people responded to this. Because not only these products look good, but they felt good. Because people actually use them and they love, they love the sensation. Because it was never about putting a fragrance into a base. I mean, Lev was obsessed from the beginning. Is that like, you know, you don't waste a step in your skincare ritual if it doesn't do something. It's not just about you know if you're wearing fragrance. In a scent, in a you know alcohol base, that's one thing. But when you're having this in a body cream, you know it has to give you something. You have to feel moisturized or nourished, hydrated. Like that was sort of part of the a a, you know mo from the beginning is that everything has to have um it nothing is a waste. Every step has to do something for you, because the people that you know when they allow you or they give you. a space or money for your product when they trust you with something, you have to really make that moment extremely special. And it has to be efficacious and it has to work.
0: You bring up something interesting because you've mentioned how at that time when people thought of natural beauty, they were thinking of something brown. Maybe it has like a leaf on it. You were doing something so different and so elevated, but still in that natural beauty space. Did you have to... Work to educate consumers? was there, you know, obviously the products were selling, but was there a bit of push and pull as far as getting them on board with natural was, beauty?
2: Oh my God, it was so we're we're new to it. We, we were pioneering something that was not really very familiar at the time mm. people. And, and 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 we we sort of like were bringing it back. It was a rebirth of that. and there was a lot of very hard work. I mean, uh, we, we sometimes will launch products that were so advanced in, in, in a natural arena that uh, is, uh, they, they, they didn't even work because people people weren't even ready to it because they, they haven't even got to that step. So we had to, we had the innovation was coming out. I mean, we, we sometimes would launch 30 products a year, if not more. And, 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 and once we started innovating, there was no stopping. The concepts were in our heads; were coming up. The ingredients, the research, and all of those things, we'd be putting a lot of things out there, and and not about being aggressive, but we really couldn't, you know, we couldn't satisfy our hunger with with with, with sort of like the creative uh, space that we were creating for ourselves and at, at the time, and 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 it, and and we really wanted to uh, bring. To share with the world with all of these ideas that we had, and and sometimes people couldn't even digest it fast enough. And it's a, what's so interesting is that fresh feels very current right now, only because finally, I think the consumers are there. That that's they leave that, that you, you know that they, they understand what natural ingredients mean, and 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 uh, they look at beauty very very differently today. Uh, but but at the time we had to educate a lot
1: but i don't think you know necessarily at the body care level it was
2: it was the skin care difficult
1: i think it was more when, as we progressed so that obviously we wanted to move from treatment body care to face you know so i think that that's where sort of like the different question and the different challenges and how you view that because it was essential in the development of the brand because at that time you know we had the body care we had the uh, you know fragrance we had um well not much else you know
2: we started with
1: and this was the ideas you know coming to the face what is it going to be because i think that's the part that sort of like really made a huge change into what the future of fresh actually was going to become you know mm. because we're getting close towards latter 90s you know we had Amazing milk, and we had the sake collection. We had this incredible Umbrian clay. I mean, there were things that we were bringing and bringing it through, sort of like around um the face, but not necessarily for the face. And it was really with the work on the soy collection, is where mm. I think it was the first foray into looking at an ingredient as a hero, as in the way that, like, with the proteins from soy proteins to bringing it to benefit. I mean- of hydration, the amino acids that build proteins in the body, obviously, and also that was the first sort of franchise that we created that actually took product for the face right. and
2: uh, and the cleansing. The, the, and the, the cleanser, face cleanser. So surface cleanser was really the first skincare product that we wanted to recruit the consumers into by creating. Really, we talked with that. and said, okay, our first skincare product is not going to be about face cream or serum, let's, cre- let's create the best cleanser out there and 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 very neutral, something that works on many skin types, something that has multifunctionality behind it, can take your makeup off, that, that cleanses your skin on a deep level, but without stripping your skin from all your essential nutrients. So we don't want to have any detergent in it or anything else. So let's create this one hero so we can bring people from the body into the face, and really build our authority around it, and uh, that was the beginning of us entering into that other level of beauty, which was, uh, you know, your your face treatment products, and Soy Cleanser became that, and it became a huge hit, and 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 uh, you know, still now it keeps on growing yeah. and growing.
0: So, this is so interesting to me because I just didn't realize that that was the first facial skincare product that you developed, which is mind blowing given that it's still a consistent bestseller. Oh, okay. well, because I think people... that, you know,
1: great great skin starts with clean skin. It yeah. started with the launch in 1999, and, you know, it continued through because it's such an essential step to.
0: Yeah. To but out. everybody
2: uses it what, what, because, because of the fragrance, because of the texture. Uh, and 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 what it does, the whole family would be using it. We we'll have customers mm. who are storing. Will say, I can't have one. I need to buy two or three because my husband is shaving with that. And he uses it, you know, I'm I'm washing my face and also shaving with that. My daughter starts stealing it from me. So all of a sudden, people had to buy more than one uh, because the whole family would be using it, and they all loved it. And 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 it's we know now younger ladies who were coming with their mothers to the mothers to our store and buying the soda face cleanser they now in their 20s some of them getting close to 30 and then they 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 in the same spirit you know they're doing the same thing so 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 and they can not they said they tried others and there's a lot of amazing cleansers out there but they just love it and 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 Because it's such a commodity. Mm. Uh, Once you love your cleanser, it's very tough to change. Very, very tough.
0: So that takes us to about 1999. Things change again in 2000 when you sold a majority stake of your business to LVMH. Talk me through what led to that decision and what it changed for the business because I can only imagine how many doors that opened in terms of your Research and development capabilities.
2: Right. Well, when when LVMH at the time back in 1999, there was quite a few companies that were very interested to partner with us, Mm -hmm. and 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 quite major ones. And it's not about for us. It wasn't about a competition and how uh, one brand will compete over another to get us get into a partnership with us. For us it was more understanding that we still have so much to do and we're just in the beginning of that and and uh, we we didn't even scratch the surface and there, there, there's so much out there in terms of ideas and, and and everything else and and uh it just happened to me that lvmh had a tremendous amount of respect to founders and how you partner with founders they had a tremendous amount of respect to our vision And uh, what was important for us is to be able to have full autonomy. We still owe quite a big chunk of our company. We just were not the majority anymore
1: Mm. uh,
2: because that's how LVMH wanted to structure the deal. But they are really agreed on all of the most important things that in principle were important to us. And that is ability to create, ability to push the, the brand forward with the vision that we have, the according to our vision and have a full autonomy uh you know in terms of products and everything else and, and complete freedom and we had the opportunity to have our own laboratory uh chemists and scientists and botanists and everybody else that could come into our world on a whole other level and it would give us an opportunity also to step into a global arena in terms of distribution and introduce the products to the rest of the world. So so, so th- that's, that's really in what, we could have done it with any one of those other brands, but LVMH particularly had, uh, as, as I said before, a tremendous amount of respect for vision, the founder's vision, having founders for them is extremely important, and the ability to give us the autonomy, trusting us, and, and, and the rest was history with them.
1: I mean, you know, Gemma, what's interesting is that, you know, we entered Sephora before we joined with LVMH. We actually entered Sephora Ah, in 1990. So by the end of 2000 is when we, you know, actually joined with LVMH because I think that, you know, we were already in 65 doors of Sephora of all the doors that they've had in the United States. And, um, you know, we had a full nine foot gondola with probably like 300 products on it. At the time, we had literally 400 SKUs when we joined with LVMH because there was just so many products. But I think there was a part where, you know, and, you know, and obviously, we were developing more stores, we had some stores in the US, but there were more branded, you know, locations between New York and Boston, and, you know, ultimately, you know, like, Los Angeles, but what was interesting is with this for expansion in North America, you know, and ultimately, like, all of a sudden, you know, our products were going places we would have never opened a store. And so you know, the whole thing was also marked with the beginning of the whole sort of internet forums where people were starting to talk on like makeup alley or yeah. places like where strangers were corresponding, talking about the products that they were looking for, interested to try, you know, the whole, this beauty conversation and people would be writing, Oh, you know, in somewhere, you know, a distant state from the coast, like, Oh, this Sephora is opening. And then they would put a list of products that they want to try. And, you know, the fresh brown sugar body polish was a big star at the time in the beginning and it would be on their list you know ultimately other things I think we realized the strong power of the conversation the power of digital because we Mm -hmm. also that launched fresh.com in that year as well in 1999 so we actually we launched fresh.com in 1998 we improved on our engine in 1999 but still you know this was sort of a fact bit you know, we felt like this incredible potential of that online conversation. And I think, you know, while it took a while probably for truly for us to expand with Sephora outside the US, because I think we've actually, um, you know, we obviously, you know, we we do have some retail presence in London and, you know, with some others. And we went to South Korea in 2003 with the distributor. So it was our first sort of flavor taste of um, Asia. But I think the aspect of and the similarity of the way how, you know, having Sephora as our partner to really explore the other civilization, so to speak, the whole rest of the world to be able to come and really sort of test the market with Sephora, feel the support, um, can really help Fresh to become, you know, resonant in so many different places. I think that, you know, because it it was a different formula, but it actually worked for Fresh very much because as we were doing this we discovered and I know I'm going further past but I just wanted to um, have a coda to that because I think it's a really important aspect you know we sometimes in fresh we sometimes call ourselves the you know the OG indie because you know when we came about we were one of those indie brands that sort of were just beginning to have a conversation whatever the niche conversation was mm. but it also was the the part of brands like ours that actually became known and became used because of the Sephora expansions throughout the world, you know, because of the fact that they were bringing some of these smaller brands, they don't have the aspect of the heritage brands to really reach. And they were given sort of the same kind of display space, the same kind of VM, the same kind of digital, that people really were like, okay, this Sephora, you know, this store, this organization, that this beauty authority, is pointing and approving of this brand. I want to know what that's about. So, you know, that conversation is happening still, you know, I mean, we've had an advantage in seeing that in Australia five years ago, you know, coming and having a partner like Sephora be able to come into the market and, you know, have already so many listeners and so many people interested in what you have to say. I mean, this is definitely probably one of our favorite launches because it was many years that we were able to come to a brand launch and speak English and you know, really get passionate about with people and finding out how many people already knew of the brand, you know, in a different part of the world. You know, I remember that, you know, in in Malaysia, that was also really impactful for me because I think I remember that experience of coming into the store and they had a plan of uh, a PA obviously from the two founders and they had like 40 people come to this and they all had these questions about fresh products and they were so like knowing about it and that's always really impresses you even when you don't necessarily speak the same language that you know your eye contact with people and what they're excited about when it comes to fresh is what we're excited about when it comes to fresh and that goes beyond the language because i think that's what emotional connection is because you know what when they're putting that rose face mask on their face they're experiencing exactly the same thing that i do and i close my eyes and i imagine these flowers melt on my skin you know this beauty has no language
0: right Have you noticed from region to region any differences in the way that your consumers are shopping? Any bestsellers in one place that, you know, may need a little more push in another or is it all pretty consistent across the board?
2: Well, you know, you have, uh, you know, what's globally, there's one product that's been having a lot of success and attention is our T-Elixir serum. Mm -hmm. Uh, the sort of like the uh the Mauritius uh, tea that uh, the, the tea that grows in Mauritius which we, we participate in 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 the whole biodiversity of what's happening on this island through this uh farm where the tea is is grown uh and and but it's also a very very powerful ingredient again uh because it's uh it, it grows into on on um, you know on the island' full of nutrients and 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 uh, it 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 has it has a lot of a lot of amazing benefits to that so that's that 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 one resonated with um globally I would say all the way across well, that's then, because
1: that's the most recent yeah probably. Uh, then
2: our rose collection and more in the Western world the rose collection uh we, we do see that being very popular, you know, mm. it, you know through, originally through masks uh, with real rose petals and then through other products that are uh, in this franchise. And, and it's very much, uh, you know, all about very deep hydration. It resonates with a lot of people. It's it, 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 it's it appeals to a lot of people, a lot of age groups and a lot of demographics. Uh, These certain consumers, it's very, it, it's interesting uh you know they they gravitate uh, more toward the kombucha for example it's mm-hmm. it's popular for us everywhere but the kombucha essence is very very popular uh in that part of the world and uh the black tea connection uh collection is is also very very popular and we have an ultra premium line which we created quite a few years ago called Prencienne uh it's that cream that was based on two thousand year old formula. Uh, the original one was made in the monastery by hand, which still is amazing. Uh, and there are a lot of incredible ingredients. It's, it's a it's a really a miracle creams and, and products that people addicted to. Very much resonates uh, with the consumers on uh, the Eastern consumers particularly, and uh, and again you know the Australia you have the the soy the soy face cleanser is very very big, the rose black tea sugar leak treatments are very, very popular there as well. Uh, it's been a very big product uh, all the way across, but particularly in, in this part of the world is very, very big. And, uh, and and the Western part uh, a, as well. And uh, uh, you know, that's basically how it breaks down uh, by different in different parts of the
1: world. But I think overall, when you really look at top 20, it's, it's totally very it's very similar sort of in the way what really sort of leads. I think that also, you know, like the lip treatment, the fresh lip treatment, it's been sort of like the ambassador of fresh so much because think about it with skincare products, you don't really take things out of your bag and apply it in front of other people. So having that sort of definitely brought that to the table, you know, people like, oh, what is this? I think the idea of understanding that, you know, like you treat your lips before you color your lips. Um, So, and it's interesting because, you know, when, Sugar lip treatment was launched. You know, we sort of took some time to actually launch it, not because it wasn't ready, but, you know, by the time we were done with the formula, because it's a soft balm formula, there is really no hard boxes to hold pigment. You know, there's only about 18% pigment. Whereas if you think traditional lipstick or hard balms, they're probably about 60 to 80% pigment. So that's why the lip treatment from Fresh feels so soft. And sometimes you put it in the fridge. To be a little bit harder, but I think in general the idea of that sort of like like a lingerie for your lips, you know, you use it first even if you're using other products. So I think that was a really great way to train people to really treat your lips because that area around your mouth is just as important as area under your eyes. And I love the fact that that's still sort of a piece that, in a way, created the whole lip balm category. Mm -hmm. If we really look at you know what is happening in the market, I mean, it's inspired so many so many ideas that it's now its own category yeah.
2: mm. well you know you, you have the black like, the perfecting mask i mean it's it's something that uh, consumers love very very much you know it's actually australia is also very very popular i was about and, to say
0: that's my number one i was surprised it hadn't been mentioned until now
2: yeah it's it's, it's like a, it, 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 it it's like a cloud mask because mm. it's, it has like a certain texture to it but it's so fluffy and so beautiful and and it gives you sort of like this immediate hydration your skin just has like this incredible lift right away people love it everywhere it's amazing to see also how it's resonated in australia you know back to to rose you know uh between all the serums and the creams and 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 and, and the uh you know and, and and the mask something that sort of creates this amazing barrier between uh you know on on, on your skin and and goes into a very deep hydration and people really feel immediately uh, the effect on that and the sugar leaf treatment, as we talked about before, it's it really gives you it it it's, it's a true treatment and 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 uh, it it's when you have dry lips, people that for example use them in in United States in, we, in the eastern part of uh, United States where you have four seasons and uh, people that use it throughout the winter, they say their their lips are never dry uh, uh, because of the. 24 hour hydration it provides so so and, and those are uh the the products that also again you know i'm going back to resonated with a lot of people all across the globe in australia it's amazing to see that these products are resonated in a very
1: similar way
0: so today we're at over 30 years of fresh what would you say is the key to staying so relevant and creating products that to this day feel so current while simultaneously staying true to the brand dna that you developed three decades ago
2: it's being uh you know creativity and innovation is number one it never stops uh it's it's we will have all the products we're we, we, we creating uh but we always think that we can do what's the next one can we do it even better even better how do we explore the technology there is a science and nature. And we, we typically, uh, we talk to nature rather than nature talk to us. And the way we look at it, we want nature to talk to us, because the science happening right there, We it's, it teaches us what's there. It, it's like when you take an ingredients from nature, and you start taking it apart, and you start scientifically understand what the power of this ingredient, it's pretty incredible. And we want to continue doing that. And as as the technology develops, it gives us the opportunity to learn more about that and and to make it even more impactful. And this is really where we would like to continue taking it uh, and uh, using the modern technology, using the science of nature, and and uh, and coming up with the formulations that are going to be uh, more and more spectacular. You know, and 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 I think that it, it's this constant. Uh, it's it's never-ending thing because you, you think you learn one thing. No, there's one more, and there's one more, and there's one more. In this world, we have what we know is 400,000 plant species. We don't use all of the 400,000. There's still so much to discover. And I think uh, the, the fresh is... Um, sometimes you can, you you just can't satisfy our hunger for that because we're very, curi- we're very curious and we want to continue doing that. We want to continue leading uh, in in that way, because uh, that's really the biggest principles of the company is being innovative and being disruptive, and bring something to the market that that that, that really works, and, and and taking it into the new world, and also understanding the impact of uh, what it does to to the environment, and 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 uh, you know getting into traceability, getting very very close to the ingredient where it grows, and and and, and sometimes taking. A, your own laboratory right into the field and, and, and extracting products right from there and, and balancing how do we grow things for beauty but also leave so much more room so people can eat uh, so it's not just consumed by those things so, so it's, it's challenges that are all amazing that we have today uh, between innovation, the quality of product that we never ever going to compromise on uh, we're never going to be compromising on innovation but also understanding and and being very considerate of the world and and where we're living today i think that that's that's where that's where we are right now
1: so there's a lot of things that have been done on that front in terms of you know sustainability because obviously mm-hmm. our packaging team has been working for years I mean we've gone through pcr and so many different components we've eliminated so many different things from the packaging um obviously there's challenges about keeping certain things opaque and preserving the ingredients, but you know where there are probably are tubes have gone through the 20% of PCR, you know, the glass we're moving away from heavy finishes and working with more friendlier finishes. So that's sort of some like the invisible work that goes on sustainability. But I think that to add to like, I just want to explain, you know, what's interesting about fresh science is you know, for example, when you talk about the Mauritius, the tea that grows on Mauritius should really not be able to grow there because it's a volcanic I island. Know. There's not a, you know, it's not a soil. It's low elevation because tea needs height, so you know, above the sea level. But somehow this tea was able to survive on that island. So whatever oh it God. naturally acquired itself or certain qualities that are helping this, you know, actual plant to thrive is the science that we can bring to find out what is exactly happened to the change of that tea plant in order to be able to adjust to that climate. And that is the part of science that goes into developing the fresh ingredient. So it is in sort of I know in English, it's funny, we have the word ingredient means a raw material and the actual ingredient, which is part of the formula. But in fresh, you know, that whole journey before it gets in the jar, there's so much work done to it and without that science. wouldn't be able to do it. That's what makes a huge difference with the natural product, naturally based product, because there is so much that is being worked on in order to amplify what the efficacy of that ingredient is going to be, because that's something that is really the reason why people come and buy the product again, no matter how, you know, wonderfully it smells and how pretty it could be. But, you know, if the product doesn't work, Hmm. that's not the journey we're on because it has to be as indulgent as it is effective.
0: Over the last, let's say, five to ten years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry?
2: Um, well, I mean, one of the biggest changes is that uh, definitely the natural, uh, you know, conversation is is here. We're living it right now. And and, 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 and this is what people are looking for and, and that's what people – really, truly interested in. Uh, we're seeing also people's uh, understanding and knowledge. I mean, the consumers are so much more educated. Uh, it, it's not the same as w- w- when we tried to educate the consumers back in 1991 to buy one bar of soap and why vegetable-based soap is good for you. The consumers are very savvy. They they, they know, they, they, they're very intelligent, they have access to so much information, uh, and that part needs to be very respectful. It's not about um you know they're leading the way in some ways they tell them what they want what, what they want but what what they want is that like what we, what we want we want to make sure that uh you know there's a the safety of the planet is very very important you know people are very conscientious what they're putting on their body people are very conscientious about uh how they eat and 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 and, and how they look even at beauty inside out in some many different ways so i feel that that really changed in the past years it's, it's very different it's not just anymore applying cream on your face or or a mask it's really what is your lifestyle how do you live and and, and and fresh was always that very much deeper into a lifestyle and because we talked about ingredients in 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 a way where uh the history of the ingredients the rituals and just everything that was so interconnected to that and 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 how it's connected different cultures and and, and everything else and and, and people are very not only curious about it, they're living it today, and but they also want to make sure that what they use and what they bring into their life it's it's uh, it, with the consideration to to the planet that we live in, and 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 that part is very very important to people today, and and, and, uh, and it's going to continue becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, and and and, have- and, it, and it and it's not only challenges the company it gives people uh, a companies opportunities to really um, it's not about just listening to the voices it's living it up doing it and and mm-hmm. and, and delivering on the promise it's not about it, 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 you don't market things anymore in the same way as you market things before you know you 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 have to market um very sincerely uh, and and you as a brand you have to believe in, in, in what you do and not just to do it because somebody wants to hear what you want them to hear. Uh, and, and I think that and the consumer knows that. And and, and and I think it's a great time for a lot of companies uh, to be transparent and, and 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 be able to good you know, and, 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 and and do it together with the consumer. It's not anymore we don't do things in silo anymore. We don't do it to, we as a company create something there's a product for you we do it we do it together because that's what we all want
1: the biggest part i think i think that happened in the last 10 years i think is a transparency Mm. is that the the new generation of beauty consumers they want they want understanding and clearance and i think for us at fresh it has been a really positive thing and and i wanted to elaborate on that and i think that there's a part of this which did not exist before you know Because I think a lot of times with, you know, there was like an enigma and a curtain in front of a lot of beauty product and formulations and ingredients. So there was like, you know, you couldn't really look inside and understand why something is being used and what does it really mean? You know, what is this preservative? What is this emulsifier? I think that the part that, you know, the consumer is more armed with that. And I see that in younger generation is like there is a very conscious choice as to which way they go and what product Mm. they use. I think that's really huge change. I think from the ten years ago,
0: you know. And what changes do you think we can expect to see over the next few years?
2: Exactly, exactly where it is. It's, it's uh, traceability is very important. People need to know where it's coming from, uh, uh, where it's, you know where it's being, being grown, how it's being grown, uh, how are the farmers that grow it, how they're being treated. I mean, I think that. That part is very important that goes back to what Alina said, you know, uh, transparency is extremely, extremely important. Being transparent is very important. It's not just putting a promise in the bottle, but really, um, you know, opening everything up. Every Everything is, is out there, you know, every question you wanna ask, you have an answer for. There's nothing, nobody goes around it. There's no agenda or anything else. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, uh, the consumers are in the kitchen with you, and, and and I think that that's exactly what it's going to be going forward. And they they want to know that what they get and what they pay money for is what what they also participate preserving. And 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 I think that yes, maybe it's not everybody on the planet thinks this way, but I think that there is a very big group of people does. And I think that that's where it starts. And 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 I think that that's that that's going to be the future and, and we're very excited about it because it because people do understand the impact of that impact on the planet and everything else and and, and uh and but and but they also because there's so much more options out there there's so many companies there's so many brands and um, you as a brand in order to stand out you you've got to continue stick to your core values and don't walk away from it you create those core values stick to them don't keep on moving with that and keep on doing it it is because this is what you believe in and then the consumers who are part of it they they, they trust you with that and 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 they trust what you bring to the forefront
1: i mean we've been living in the age of influence and if you think about it you know sort of because of the abundance of products and brands and obviously research is available i think that having advocates has become really important because people go to the people they trust. So I think it's in a way becomes a high responsibility to the people who are influencing the consumer um, to really understand the depth and the truth about so many different things and you know make sort of the right decisions. And I find that that's the part that's really probably one of the biggest changes probably if you really think about it and where it's mm-hmm. not going to change. I think it's just putting more responsibility on the the spokespersons of their own sort of kind because i think that's where advertising is that's where the truth is seeked on you know and social is where people find so many answers so i just think i hope that that develops towards you know sort of really maintaining the confidence of the consumer you know not sort of showing them things that don't look real or impossible to achieve and you know because as a brand that's based in sort of you know, natural beauty, you know, make you feel good, you know, I mean, I think that it's our responsibility to take that new young generation through that and give them confidence that they look good as
0: they are. My final question, what is next for Fresh?
2: Well, there's a lot of exciting things for Fresh. I mean, One is that we have uh, a, new, a new CEO who joined us, Leads uh, the brand. Uh, she's awesome. She has over 20 year experience in the beauty industry. She's very, very bright. Her name is Adelian. She has a lot of great uh, ideas and, 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 and she really lives the brand and she loves it. She's passionate about it very much. She's a great partner to uh, me and Alina. And uh, she's also a, a great leader. Uh, so, so, so I think that that, that part is very exciting. Uh, you know, when when you have sort of like a new um, with we, good leaders in the company, but, but something at the time where we are right now, uh, somebody who comes with a with a fresh outlook and 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 brings another uh, sort of like reinforces the vision. Uh, I, I think it's it's very very exciting to see that, and 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 I think that. Uh, it will give us an ability to continue building on and, and preserving the vision that we have for the brand, and and to continue to continue being relevant, and 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 uh, and not to be afraid to be innovative and uh, finding more and, ways and to connect dis- to each other. Yeah, mm. and finding more ways to connect to each other and be disruptive. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think and 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 be able to put it all out there and 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 go for it because Alina and I we we, we very much. We always will take a chance. Uh, we, when the moment we started opened our doors doors to the to the first store back in 1991, we dived and we're still floating, <laughs> and we're still swimming, uh, swimming. I and we dive and we're swimming and 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 it's it, you know stuff to predict. You could be an amazing business person and you can create business models and everything else and. Yeah, it's all of it is very important, but it's also, you have to be in touch with your own intuition and you can never let that part go. It's, it's not just about what you think, uh, you know, if somebody did something, uh, if if a company created a great product today, you say, oh my God, I'm going to be doing exactly the same thing. Fresh never thinks this way. We, We, we always, yeah, it's all great. It's, it's, it bears. And this is ours. And and and, uh, and I, I I think seeing the leadership and outside of Ada, uh, our new CEO, I think this is where the brand really stands, and that's where we that's what it go.
1: You know, Fresh has been built on so many different people at this point. After you know, as I said, three decades from the first person they join us back in the day. You know, until now, our our conference table is really large. I mean, there's been many people that joined and some had become alumni, some are brand new. And it's kind of like, you know, the huge part of the development of the family is to make sure that the new members feel just as proud of what they're doing as the people they have in the past. And, you know, find something, a way for them to express themselves within the reality of fresh. I think those are challenges of, you know, how when the company grows and it goes to different places, you know, to make sure that, you know, that spirit needs to be maintained. That people like Annalise sitting on the other part of the world with very few team members, because, you know, it's a very little office when it comes to Fresh Australia, but that they feel like, you know, they're part of the big organization, that they can feel the warmth. It's really important to find those connections to make sure that, you know, our teams all over the world feel connected just as
0: if they are you know, here. That was Lev Glasman and Alina Reutberg, founders of Fresh, which you can find on Instagram at freshbeauty. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at watts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Diamond. You've been listening to The Glow Journal Podcast and thank you for joining me. The Glow Journal Podcast would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people, the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced. We pay our respects to Elders past and present.